听，鸟儿的欢鸣，溪水的婉转。听，爱与恨，悲与喜，苦与乐，得与失。听，跳跃的文字，灵动的声音。You're listening to Morse Read。欢迎收听轻松调频美文阅读 ，More to Read。我是沈听，让我们在这里一起听美文学英语。今天，让我们一起来听美国小说家桑顿·华尔德的一句话，印度著名诗人泰戈尔的一首诗歌《Authorship》，作家。最后为大家选读的是中国现代作家萧乾的一篇文章《翻译的艺术》（The Art of Translation）。More to read， 用文字抒发感情。用文字诉说故事，用文字穿越古今。Daily quote。Seek the lofty by reading, hearing, and seeing great work at some moment every day. Thornton Wilder. 每天花点时间通过阅读、倾听和观看伟大的作品，去寻求高尚。桑顿·怀尔德。桑顿·怀尔德，一八九七年出生在美国威斯康星州，一九七五年去世。美国小说家、剧作家。他的父亲曾任驻华领事，他本人在中国长大。怀尔德喜欢用东方和古典戏剧的传统手法，以及欧洲神秘剧的技巧。他是唯一一位以文学作品和戏剧作品双双获得普利策奖的人。其获奖的文学作品是1927年的《圣路易斯雷的桥》（The Bridge of Saint Louis Ray）， 戏剧作品是1938年的《我们的城市》和1943年的。牙幼稚，不过桑顿怀尔德的作品思想不够深邃，他的创作方法也多半是模仿的。他是一个提供娱乐而毫不说教的作家，又是个老派的乐观主义者，剧本中也无重大冲突。他曾说：“生活是轮转的，人总会战胜一切而无需忧虑。”这也正是他的喜剧创作的源泉。Seek the lofty by reading, hearing, and seeing great work at some moment every day. Thornton Wilder. 每天花点时间，通过阅读、倾听和观看伟大的作品，去寻求高尚。桑顿·怀尔德。Authorship by Rabindranath Tagore. You say that father write a lot of books, but what he write, I don't understand. 
He was reading to you all the evening. But could you really make out what he meant? What nice stores, mother. You can tell us. Why can't father write like that, I wonder? Did he never hear from his own mother stories of giants and fairies and princesses? Has he forgotten them all? Often, when he gets late for his bath, you have to and call him an hundred times. You wait and keep his dishes warm for him, but he goes on writing and forgets. Father always plays at making books. If ever I go to play in Father's room, you come and call me. What a naughty child! If I make the slightest noise, you say, Don't you see that father's at his work? What's the fun of always writing and writing? When I take up father's pen or pencil and write upon his book just as he does A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, why do you get cross with me then, mother? You never say a word when father writes. When my father wastes such heaps of paper, mother, you don't seem to mind at all. But if I take only one sheet to take a boat with, you say, Child, how troublesome you are. What do you think of father's spoiling sheets and sheets of paper with black marks all over both sides?作家泰戈尔妈妈你说爸爸他写了许多书可他写的东西我根本不懂整个晚上他念给你听说实话你真懂吗妈妈你讲的故事多好听呀我纳闷爸爸为什么不写你说的那些话呢他难道没有听他
爸把白纸两面画得黑乎乎的，浪费了那么多纸，你心里是怎么想的？我们刚才听到的这首诗歌《Authorship》，作家，出自印度著名诗人拉宾德拉纳特·泰戈尔，英文版本由 Mark Griffiths 为您朗读，中文版本由南海之声的主持人周薇为您朗诵。作家这首诗歌最早是由泰戈尔用孟加拉语创作，题为《批评者》，诗中用孩子的目光真实描写了一个作家父亲的形象。爸爸一天到晚很忙，从不给他讲神话故事。爸爸写字总忘记吃饭等等。同时，孩子还做了对比，他自己偷笔乱写，妈妈立即唠叨，要稿纸妈妈不给；而爸爸揉搓稿纸，妈妈则从不吭声。孩子对爸爸不理解，愤愤不平地抱怨，在妈妈面前发的一通牢骚，反衬出妈妈对爸爸写作的全力支持。以及爸爸创作时的全神贯注和废寝忘食，树立了一个把文学创作看得高于一切的作家的高大形象。如果不去便利世界，我们就不知道什么是我们精神和情感的寄托。但我们一旦便利了世界，却发现。我们再也无法回到那美好的地方去了。当我们开始寻求，我们就已经失去；而我们不开始寻求，我们根本无法知道自己身边的一切是如此可贵。这段话出自法国作家安托万·德胜·埃克苏佩里的经典之作《小王子》。我是轻松调频主持人小斐，和轻松调频一起在阅读中。感受生活之美。Easy FM, we are the difference. More to read. 文字的世界，用心用心聆听。Beauty of words. 欢迎您继续收听轻松调频美文阅读。More to read. 我是沈听。下面让我们一起来感受 Beauty of words. 萧乾是中国现代著名作家、记者、文学翻译家。他出生于1910年 ，1999 年去世，原名萧炳乾，笔名塔塔木林、佟丽。1992年5月，中国现代文学馆等七大单位在中国历史博物馆为萧乾举行了规模盛大的文学生涯60年展览。以表彰他在新闻、文学和翻译等方面所取得的辉煌成就，《英语世界》杂志特邀萧乾作为名翻译家，为广大读者谈谈翻译的艺术，并刊于当年第六期《英语世界》上。那么，在今天的节目中，我就为大家选读由萧乾所写的这篇文章《翻译的艺术》（The Art of Translation）。中文版本由轻松调频的主持人莫涵为您朗读。翻译的艺术，萧乾。The Art of Translation by Xiao Qian。三十年代，曾有一位李嘉慈教授，英国人，在北京讲过学。他在他所著的《意义学》一书中，把意义分为四种
即含义、情感、口吻及意象。我看这种分法很可适用于翻译工作。In his book Meaning of Meaning, Professor I. A. Richards, who lectured in Beijing in the 1930s, divides meaning into four kinds: sense, emotion, tone, and intention. I think that it can be appropriately applied to the art of translation. 当你译科技或文件时，含义应占第一位。因此，应用一字不动的直译法。然而，当你译文学作品时，不论是一首诗还是一篇散文，首先应考虑如何传达原作的情感内容。原作如果是忧伤的或讽刺的。或幽默的，译者应首先把握住并尽力传达给译文的读者。倘若原作的意图是使读者笑，而译文读者在读了之后一点儿不觉得其可笑，那么不论译得多么忠实，我也认为是失败了。好的译文永远不会把读者引入歧途，也永不歪曲原作，这就是译文质量之所在。When translating some technical work or document, sense is of prime importance. Hence, verbatim translation or word-for-word translation is preferred. But while translating some literary work, whether a poem or an essay, conveyance of the emotional contents of the original should be of prime consideration. If the original is meant to be sad, sarcastic, or funny. It is the first duty of the translator to grasp it and render it as closely as possible to the original. If the original meant to be make the reader laugh, but in reading the translation he does not see the joke at all, I call that a total failure, no matter how faithful the translation may be. Good translation never misleads the reader nor distorts the original work. Therein lies the quality of translation. 对于翻译技巧，历来有两种看法。一派认为，既然你译的是外国作品，就应保持些洋味包括句法；另一派认为，你既然在把一篇外国文字译成中文，就必须用通顺且恰当的中文，不仅在文字上忠实，也要忠实于原作的感情内容。换言之，使中文读者能进入原作的意境。With regard to the art of translation, there are two schools of thought. Some believe that since you are translating a foreign work, inevitably some foreignness must be preserved, including the syntax. However, it is my belief that since you are rendering the text into Chinese, the translation has to be in appropriate Chinese. It must not only be faithful in word, but also in its emotional contents. In other words, to put the reader where and how the original work intends. 举个很简单的例子，当我把《好兵帅克》这部捷克小说的英译本译成中文时，全书不断出现 “sir” 这个字，几乎每页都出现几次。原作的这位主人公是军队中的一名普通士兵，他每次同长官讲话、敬礼之后，必先说一声 “sir”。而且这也是全书引人发笑的一部分。倘若我把 Sir 直译成先生
，那就既破坏了全书的军营气氛，也失掉了原作的讽刺语调，从而也就歪曲了帅客这个形象。我没那样做，而把他改译为报告长官，那是旧时中国士兵同上级谈话时的习惯用语。这只是个极简单的例子，在文学翻译中，这种变通译法经常需要使用。这里也包含翻译技巧的一个主要方面。Take a very simple case. When I retranslated the Czech novel *The Good Soldier Shrike* from the English version, I came across the word "sir" several times on each page. The hero of the novel is a common soldier who has to salute and say "sir" whenever he talks to his superior. That's the funny part of the novel. Now, if I render "sir" into Then both the military atmosphere and the sarcastic tone of the novel would be totally lost. That would seriously distort the image of Schweik and ruin the whole thing. So instead, I translated all sirs into 报告长官 report to the superior, for that's how a Chinese soldier would address his superior in the old days. The need for adaptation of this nature happens very often in translation of literary works, and this is an essential part of the art of translation. 一个胜任的翻译家应该同时从事些研究工作，对所译作者的生平及思想应有一定的了解。我倾向于把翻译家分作二类：一类是即兴的或打游击式的翻译家，另一类是阵地翻译家。他们往往以毕生精力系统的翻译一两位外国作家的著作，如潘家璇之于易卜生、傅雷之于巴尔扎克，以及汝龙之于契诃夫。这类翻译家往往在翻译之余也从事研究工作。A competent translator should combine his translation with researches into the background of the author, his life and thought, and especially his views on art. Here, I am inclined to divide translators of literary works into two categories, namely occasional ones and those in trenches who devote themselves to one or two particular foreign authors. The former, the guerrilla kind, translates whatever appeals to him. The latter translates systematically, concentrating on the works of one or two authors as completely as possible. Such as Pan Jiaxuan's translation of the plays of Ibsen, Fu Lei's translation of the works of Bozarc, and Ru Lan's translation of Chekhov. I have great admiration for such translators who devote their whole life to the translation of one particular writer. Such translators often combine their translation with research. 我仰慕这后一类翻译家。不幸，我自己属于前一类。三十年代，我偶尔搞过一些翻译。一九五六年，我又译过一些。一九七九年，当我又重新拿起笔时，我的第一个任务刚好是翻译易卜生的《培尔金特》。此剧后来在北京上演两次，去年又在香港演出。I admire the latter kind, but unfortunately belong to the former. I did some translations spasmodically in the 1930s, and then some in 1956. When I could pick up my pen again in 
My first assignment happened to be the translation of Ibsen's Pier Gint, which was later published in foreign drama in full and twice produced in Beijing. Last year, it was again produced in Hong Kong. 我反对对翻译的歧视，不认为翻译比创作低。然而，这反映在稿酬的高低上。三十年代，鲁迅、茅盾和巴金都既创作又搞翻译。创作是一个国家的主力，然而翻译也同样重要。它是一间屋子的窗口，它可以放进新鲜空气，并可以让我们看到外面的一切。I am strongly against the discrimination between translation and creative work, which treats the former as inferior. This can be witnessed in the rate of remuneration. In the 1930s, many leading writers like Lu Xun, Mao Dun, and Ba Jin did translating work side by side with their writing. Creative works are the mainstay of a country's literature, but translation is no less in importance. It is like the window of a house through which we can breathe fresh air and see what is happening outside. 目前，我正与我爱人文杰若在和译乔伊斯的《尤利西斯》。我们认为这部写于二十年代的意识流小说应当介绍到中国来。然而，我宁愿写十本书，也不愿从事这项翻译工作。可是，如果我们不译，这本书在我国文艺界就依然是个迷津，是个空白。My wife and I are at present translating Ulysses by James Joyce. We think this stream of consciousness novel, written in the 1920s, should be introduced into China. But I would sooner do ten pieces of creative work than to undertake this translation. However, if we don't do it, the novel would remain a mystery. A gap to our literary world. The Art of Translation, by Xiao Qian. In his book *Meaning of Meaning*, Professor I. A. Richards, who lectured in Beijing in the 1930s, divides meaning into four kinds: sense, emotion, tone, and intention. I think that it can be appropriately applied to the art of translation. When translating some technical work or document, sense is of prime importance. Hence, verbatim translation or word-for-word translation is preferred. But while translating some literary work, whether a poem or an essay, conveyance of the emotional contents of the original should be of prime consideration. If the original is meant to be sad, sarcastic, or funny, it is the first duty of the translator to grasp it and render it as closely as possible to the original. If the original meant to be make the reader laugh, but in reading the translation he does not see the joke at all, I call that a total failure, no matter how faithful the translation may be. Good translation never misleads the reader nor distorts the original work. Therein lies the quality of translation. With regard to the art of translation, there are two schools of thought. Some believe that since you are translating a foreign work, inevitably some foreignness must be preserved, including the syntax. 
However, it is my belief that since you are rendering the text into Chinese, the translation has to be in appropriate Chinese. It must not only be faithful in word, but also in its emotional contents. In other words, to put the reader where and how the original work intends. Take a very simple case. When I retranslated the Czech novel The Good Soldier Shrike from the English version, I came across the word sir several times on each page. The hero of the novel is a common soldier who has to salute and say sir whenever he talks to his superior. That's the funny part of the novel. Now, if I render sir into 先生, then both the military atmosphere and the sarcastic tone of the novel would be totally lost. That would seriously distort the image of Schweik and ruin the whole thing. So instead, I translated all sirs into 报告长官, report to the superior, for that's how a Chinese soldier would address his superior in the old days. The need for adaptation of this nature happens very often in translation of literary works, and this is an essential part of the art of translation. A competent translator should combine his translation with researches into the background of the author, his life and thought, and especially his views on art. Here, I am inclined to divide translators of literary works into two categories, namely occasional ones and those in trenches who devote themselves to one or two particular foreign authors. The former, the guerrilla kind, translates whatever appeals to him. The latter translates systematically, concentrating on the works of one or two authors as completely as possible such as Pan Jiaxun's translation of the plays of Ibsen, Fu Lei's translation of the works of Bozak, and Ru Lan's translation of Chekhov. I have great admiration for such translators who devote their whole life to the translation of one particular writer. Such translators often combine their translation with research. I admire the latter kind, but unfortunately belong to the former. I did some translations spasmodically in the 1930s, and then some in 1956. When I could pick up my pen again in 1979, my first assignment happened to be the translation of Ibsen's Pier Jint, which was later published in foreign drama in full and twice produced in Beijing. Last year, it was again produced in Hong Kong. I am strongly against the discrimination between translation and creative work, which treats the former as inferior. This can be witnessed in the rate of remuneration. In the 1930s, many leading writers like Lu Xun, Mao Dun and Ba Jin did translating work side by side with their writing. Creative works are the mainstay of a country's literature, but translation is no less in importance. It is like the window of a house through which we can breathe fresh air and see what is happening outside. My wife and I are at present translating Ulysses by James Joyce. We think this stream of consciousness novel written in the 1920s should be introduced into China. But I would sooner do 10 pieces of creative work than to undertake this translation. However, if we don't do it, the novel would remain a mystery, a gap to our literary world.
谢您收听今天的美文阅读节目。您也可以通过云听 App 在线实时收听美文阅读以及轻松调频的其他节目，并随时聆听节目回放。今天的节目就到这儿，我是沈听，我们明天见。